Well, hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the Gathering Podcast. Really, the purpose of this podcast is just for us to sit down and have conversations with people who are a part of our college and young adult ministry, The Gathering, or are some way connected to it. And uh, yeah, really, it's just so we can hear from them about their walk with Jesus and what God is teaching them, and maybe we can learn some things from them as we hear their stories and what their walks look like. Uh, This week, we have our first returning guest. Uh, Mr. Paul Stouter. Paul is actually on our gathering staff and um, is awesome to work with in ministry, and we've been doing ministry together a long time. And so excited to have a conversation today with Paul. Um, we want to talk about what does it actually mean to be a disciple? What is discipleship? What are what are all these words that oftentimes get thrown around the church world, um, the ministry world, and honestly, rarely get defined. And when they are defined, maybe they're defined differently. And, you know, we're about to jump in at the gathering on a sermon series the next few weeks on the invitation that Jesus gives us to follow him. And the subtitle that we gave it was the art of being a disciple. So we're really going to talk about this in depth the next few weeks. And so it's fresh in our mind, and we just wanted to hop on here and kind of have a candid conversation, I guess would be the term for it, um, about what is a disciple. What does this even mean to follow Jesus? Um, so yeah, I think probably a good place to start, Paul, would just be what are some, I guess, bad definitions or bad interpretations you have heard for disciple? And we're just talking about a disciple right now, not discipleship. We might get to that in a little bit, but mm-hmm. what have you seen misunderstood about it in the past? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think one of maybe it's it's a misapplication of of a definition. You know, so the word disciple, if you look up um, what that means, because it's not a common um, word in our culture today, but it was in Jesus's time and even before, and um, is is the idea of a learner mm-hmm. or or a follower. Um, and I think with learner, you know, one misapplication there is that um, following Jesus is, or being a disciple of Jesus is all about how much you know uh, intellectually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's definitely a huge, huge intellectual component to um, to being a disciple of Jesus, but that's not, that doesn't kind of, I think, capture everything that Jesus talked about. Um, and then follower, you know, that's... That is a word we see in the New Testament and the Gospels is, you know, Jesus' invitation is come follow me. Um, but I think when you when you bring the word follower to our kind of current cultural moment, um, we use that word quite <laughs> loosely. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you, I think especially with the advent of social media, I mean, following someone um, can be... Well, I think the general understanding was like I, I appreciate that person at a distance. Mm-hmm. I it's observe, more of like a spectator. Yeah, yeah. I observe that person at a distance, and so I think, you know, as we drill down and um, try to really understand this, it's it's helpful to think. Well, I think a question for me that's really driven a lot of you know what I've tried to learn and tried to implement in my life is like when Jesus said to the twelve, when Jesus was talking to you know, Peter and James and John and, and all of these guys and said, come be my disciple. What did he mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what did he mean? And what did, what did Peter, James and John understand that to mean? 
Yeah. Um, Cause I think there's, we've got to do a little bit of work to, you know, put ourselves or kind of recapture that original context of like, what did discipleship look like in the first century? Yeah, that is actually something I've been thinking about a lot as I've been preparing the sermons for this is how has our Western understanding of followership and learner affected our understanding of discipleship to Jesus? Mm-hmm. And why, honestly, I think it's affected it in almost every way that it possibly could. Because when I think about learning from a Western perspective, a Western civilization perspective, I think of a spectator, someone who is sitting in a classroom listening to a professor or a teacher, someone who is watching a video on YouTube or a lecture series, and all that is done in that context is information transfer. So you're just downloading content to know in your brain. Um, if I'm even if we you've mentioned social media, like if I'm watching an influencer, say, if I'm watching an influencer, all that's there is information transfer. They say something, I hear it, and it goes into my brain. It's information transfer. What Jesus meant when he said, come and follow me, was a true life-on-life, walk with me and learn as I do, you will then also do. And so discipleship and just being a disciple in the kingdom of God and how the disciples would have understood it in that day was Jesus is inviting them to on-the-job training of how to be a follower of God, how to be a disciple of Jesus. Um and so for us, like that's lost on us today. And even in how we have unfortunately set up church many times is lost um, when it comes to dis- discipling because it is set up to be like a spectator model. Mm. Come and listen to a speaker give a spiritual TED Talk <laughs> on the things of God and then uh, go home. And now you're just being a disciple. Mm-hmm. And while we, uh, you know, we obviously think, Preaching and teaching is extremely important, but that is just one piece of the pie of being a disciple. There is this fundamental element of walking with God and walking with others and doing on-the-job training that is missing in a lot of Western churches because we have created this spectator model. Just one more point on this, too. I think the if you wonder, like, well, is that really true? Have we really missed the boat on that? I think the biggest piece of evidence for it is the lack of evangelism mm-hmm. in Western churches, Mm -hmm. because we are the most curriculumized church in church history ever. We know more and have more resources than any other Christians in church history for the last 2,000 years, yet we are the least evangelistic. Mm. And so, you know, information transfer does not equal healthy disciple. Mm. Life transformation is what will make us a healthy disciple. Mm -hmm. And so I guess maybe a good question to ask here would be, Okay, so we're stepping into this series on what does it mean to be a disciple. What would you say is your hope for somebody like a month from now, we're on the back end of this series, what would be your hope that someone like understands this thing about being a disciple? Yeah, Yeah, I think... um, I, I think my hope would be that someone wouldn't settle for a lesser version hmm. of Jesus. That's a good word. Um, I, I think that's something I've just seen a lot in, you know, in the big C church and the Western church, and and 
and I want to be careful when I say stuff like that because it, it sounds very critical and like, okay, well, I have the right answer. It's not. It's, it's just an observation, hmm. right? Um, I think I see a lot of people for many reasons, right? Maybe it's bad teaching. Maybe it's bad practice um, that they've seen another or, but I, I see a lot of people settle for, you know, a lot of what you talked about is like a, um, well, if I get Sunday morning, you know, that, that will kind of sustain me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the totality of what Jesus is calling me to is, um, you know, I go to church on Sunday and, and maybe I pick up my Bible Maybe I pray when things get tough, and it's really a it's a it's it's settling for like a McDonald's cheeseburger when you could have steak, yeah. um, because there's so much more I think that comes with being a disciple of Jesus. Mm. Um, that it it does involve some discipline, like it does involve you to put in some work, but I think there's also blessing that mm-hmm. you miss out on when you don't. I, I you know we we use the term spiritual disciplines, um, but one way I've heard somebody uh, somebody talk about spiritual disciplines it's it's opening yourself up, right? It's making yourself available to God. Um, so that he can transform you. Mm-hmm. And that's really the goal of discipleship is, and that's, I, I think that's what I would want somebody to see is, is the goal of discipleship is for you to become more like Jesus, for you to be transformed from the inside out. You know, Paul talks about that in, in Romans eight, mm-hmm. that we're to be conformed to the image of the son. And, um, you know, image when that word's used in scripture, we, we see it in Genesis, you know, God created us in his image. An image is a representation. It's a, a, a picture, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and so that's what God's trying to do with us. He's He's trying to change us because, frankly, we need changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the story of the gospel: is that because of sin, you know, we um, we've chosen poorly, yeah. <laughs> and and um, and we've we've become C.S. Lewis calls it like we've become unlovely, and God's desire is to make us lovely. Mm. It's to make us what we were originally created to be. And so that's, I think that's my hope is that, man, somebody really step into the fullness of what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah, because what he's offering you is a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, When I think about my relationship with my wife, Bria, um, you know, there's so much that is great about it. She's amazing. She's the greatest person I've ever met. Um, But what if I was like, you know what? I'm going to hang out for with Bria for one hour on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And then the other you know, hours of the week, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing, and my relationship with her is not even going to enter my brain because I've already kind of checked the box of our relationship happening on Sunday morning for an hour. Well, you could do that, but it's going to lead to a really dysfunctional human relationship. But in an even greater sense, I'm going to miss out on the gift of being in relationship with my wife. Um, and in the same way, what God is offering to us is himself. And what many of us say um, by our actions, and by our time management, by whatever is, no, God, what you want to offer me in yourself is going to be relegated to an hour a week. Mm-hmm. And what you miss out on is you miss out on that relationship. Mm-hmm. 
on that communal aspect of actually walking with God, which is, interestingly enough, what we were designed to do from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So if you look in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve sinned, God came walking in the cool of the day, kind of implying it's what he did a lot, <laughs> like they were walking with God, and then because of sin, that walk was fractured and broken, and as you're saying, it's restored in the gospel, and so what Jesus is offering is a return to what we were designed for, and all too often what, what we tend to do is say, nah, I'm just going gonna, gonna to stick to being a spectator instead of being a follower. Yeah. Um, and you miss out on so much benefit of just experiencing the real peace and joy and love that comes from a, a real relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I think just to acknowledge the reality, you know, Jesus even addressed this, um, I think in John, is that blessed are those who believe and do not see. And so we, when when you look at the Gospels and you look at, you know, this relationship that the, that the Twelve had with Jesus, um, we're at, we have a, a, a different task in that we're having a relationship with a, a God that we can't see. Hmm. And so I, I think just to acknowledge that, they're like, yeah, there is some some difficulty, right? In okay, we're 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 praying, we're um, learning about a God that we can't see, touch, you know, sense, taste, or smell. Um, we can't experience Him, I believe. But uh, so I think on the flip side of that, Jesus gives this promise in the Great Commission. And it's, it's never really the focus, I feel like, but it's so important. He says, at the end, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And the way that he does that for us today, the way that Jesus is still with us, the way that we have the opportunity to experience the life-on-life relationship with Jesus that you're talking about is through the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? That is the, the resource, the tool uh, not tool, tool's a bad word for the Holy Spirit, <laughs> for the third person of the Trinity, but, but we have that resource um, to connect us, right, mm-hmm. to, to, to facilitate that relationship. And, and I think, um, you know, I think it's Paul that talks about um, if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap the Spirit. And so there's a sowing involved, right, to, to get back to your point of like, if I only give God an hour a week, there's a sowing involved. We, we need to sow to the Spirit. And, and what does that mean, right? Um, so it's the imagery of like, if you're going to plant, um, say, say you want to grow tomatoes, mm-hmm. well, you've got to go sow seeds. Because if you don't sow seeds, you can sit there and hope and wish you have tomatoes one day, but it's never going to happen. You have to go and, and sow seeds and, and cultivate right that plant so that it grows and produces fruit. We get that imagery all over the New Testament of this walk with Jesus is not just um, passive, right? Mm. You you don't just grow to become more like Christ by default once you say yes to Jesus. Like, once you trust in Christ for salvation, it doesn't just happen. There's a sowing. There's a, I've got to go out and, and put in the work and cultivate this life of discipleship in me so that I can right. experience what Jesus calls being with me to the end of the age, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, no, that's that's a good word. Um, well, you know what's interesting is when we think about the those habits and the sewing and stuff, um, I was reading earlier in uh, preparation for my sermon this week on Luke 9, and something that Warren Wiersbe pointed out that I thought would be helpful here is that there's a difference between 
the habits or the followership or the sowing and your sonship to God. Mm. And so there's an important distinction that's made here. I one time heard somebody say, and it still makes me cringe as I think about it, that there's a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. Hmm. <laughs> I don't really see that a lot in the no, New no. Testament. Um, and by I don't see it a lot, I mean I don't see it, period, <laughs> in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But I will say I think it's important to make the distinction that the actions we're talking about as a disciple are post-salvation, mm-hmm. are post-receiving adoption into God's family through salvation in Jesus. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, man, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have a walk with Jesus. Well, if you've not had that starting point of being justified and made right in the eyes of God through the blood of Jesus and surrendering your life to Him, then your actions to try to be a healthy disciple will be in vain simply because you're not really a disciple yet. But these things are in response to what God has already told us. And so when I think about what would I want someone to get out of this series at the end of you know, when we talk about what is a disciple, the first understanding would be what is Jesus inviting you into? Mm-hmm. What he's inviting you into is, man, a completely new way of living that is so much greater than what this world has to offer you. Um, in Luke 9, Jesus says, what does it cost a man, or what does it gain a man if he, if he gains the whole world, but yet he loses his soul? And so there's a cost to discipleship, but there's also a cost to not discipleship. Mm-hmm. There's a cost to sticking to your own ways. Um, so that'd be the first thing is really understanding what Jesus is inviting you to and how good that is. But then it's to what you're talking about of, okay, how do you grow in that relationship now? Mm-hmm. And so the applications are, there's two different ones. For one, if you've never trusted in Christ for salvation, it's to surrender to Him. Mm-hmm. And if you have, it's, if you have done that, well, then the application is so into that relationship. And, you know, initially we can very quickly begin to play the comparison game of, hey, well, Paul spends three hours a day in prayer. And so I must need to spend three hours a day in prayer. Oh, you're not talking about me. <laughs> I was talking about you. Um, but, you know, like, it's easy. I play that comparison game mm-hmm. of, man, look at, gosh, like, just look how many people Steve has shared the gospel with this week. Yeah. How come I'm not doing that? Mm-hmm. And you begin to compare yourself to other Christians, and, man, they must be so much a better disciple than me. And that's not at all what this is about. Man, if what you've done up to this point, your discipleship to Jesus, is you've been consistent in church on Sunday mornings, like, okay, that's a base. What does that next step of faithfulness look like? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to take a greater step into your relationship with God? What we initially try to do as people is like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour a day reading the Word and in prayer, and I'm not going to miss ever. So you get up the first morning, and you're like, I'll read Genesis 1 through 3, get on this Bible reading program, and that's going to be it. It's like, ah, you know, let's take some baby steps. Like maybe if you're listening to this and your discipleship up to this point is you surrender to Christ and Jesus, you've been consistent in the gathering or church or both, hopefully, and you are in a small group, like awesome. Maybe your next step is you need to read through a gospel mm-hmm. like Mark or Luke or something and just take a chapter a day, read it, think about how does this apply to my life and say a short prayer. You can do that in 15 minutes, mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Maybe your next step is you're going to make a commitment to pray every night before you go to bed. But it's like a life that is committed to developing those disciplines is going to be someone who's going to have a healthy relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because I think there is an element where God does meet you where you are in your relationship with Him and will help you grow in that as you walk with Him. Um, But what tends to happen so often is we just, like like you said, become very passive. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, why do I feel so far away from God? It's like, well, you've done absolutely zero to cultivate your relationship with Him. Yeah. And just like any relationship, 
God has, I mean, God's met us 100% of the way. It's not 50-50. Mm-hmm. But if we choose to, like, I'm not going to live into that relationship, you will start to feel distant from him mm-hmm. simply by your own actions. Um, yeah. So, well, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. We've talked a little bit about what is a disciple, and I think we've hammered that pretty hard. The disciple is someone who's actually following, actually living the life, actually walking with God. But there's this other word that's thrown around, which is discipleship. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it. Discipleship is like a buzzword that church people, I think, sometimes just use to sound intentional. And so what is discipleship in your mind? Uh, Is it something that you only do personally? Is it like a class that you go to? Is it like some weird like one-on-one like coffee thing you do every week? Like what is discipleship? Yeah. Yeah. And I think just to jump back real quick. um, So what we're not saying is that if you're not doing a lot, that doesn't mean you're not a Christian, because the, the thing that saves you, right, is, is trusting in Christ, um, trusting his, his atonement for your sins, trusting in his you know, perfect life on, and death and burial and resurrection on your behalf. Um, what, what being disciple, you know, being disciple, being a Christian, those, those are synonymous terms. Um, and what we're trying to describe is like, what is living into that relationship? Yes. That, that invitation to follow him look like. Yes. Um, because it's not, I think that one part of our cultural church baggage is that for in the past, following Jesus has been sold as say a prayer. Mm. And that's all that's required of you. And we're, we're saying, yes, but there's more. Uh, it's not that there's anything more to the gospel, but there's more in Jesus' invitation to become a disciple than just saying a prayer. That's the starting point. And then what you do for the rest of your life is you become more of a disciple. Um, Way to summarize what we just said. Yeah. That's good. So so coming back into discipleship, and this is still something, you know, I'll say I'm, I'm still working this out. Yeah. Like this is, if I had like a great question of my life that I'm seeking to to really <laughs> feel like I have an understanding of, it's this question. It's like, what, what did Jesus mean, right, when he said, Come and be my disciple. Right. And so, you know, the way, I mean, the way we see Jesus do discipleship is, um, you know, he, he had a group of people that um, he was just around. Like he, he brought them into his circle. They, they spent time with him. Um, there was teaching involved, right? There was... Um, maybe some serving mm-hmm. together, like there were there were practical ministry things they did together, all for the purpose, right, of helping these twelve become more like him. Like that was his goal. And so I think modern day, um, I, I think the best example is is Paul's statement: "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." Yeah. So as I'm seeking to imitate Christ, as you are seeking to imitate Christ and, and, and become more and more or live more and more into this identity of being a disciple of Jesus, then you take other people along with you and like, hey, come do this with me. I don't have it all figured out yet, mm-hmm. but let's figure it out together because that, that really is the picture is this doing this in community with other people. Yeah. Um, there's a quote from... Bill Mowry, I think is how you say his last name. There's an awesome little book called A Walk With Me that I'm holding in my hands right now. Um, And he says, this is the heart of disciple-making, or discipleship is the word we're using here. Intentionally inviting people into a relationship 
not a classroom, a lecture series, or prepackaged curriculum. Disciple-making is a with-him enterprise, an intentional up-close and personal relationship and walk together. Um, when Some of the ways I've heard discipleship talked about before is it's like come to our discipleship class mm-hmm. where we go through and we learn doctrines. Mm-hmm. Or come do this like Bible study book with me, and that's discipleship. And those things, I think, can have elements of disciple-making, but for me, the defining line of when something is disciple-making, discipleship, and it's not, is, is there an actual relational component there, Hmm. or is it just information transfer? If this is just information transfer, then we've westernized discipleship, wouldn't you say? Why do you think... So I'm just asking this question for the sake of asking. Why do you think the relational piece is so important? Um, As opposed to, hey, let me teach you, or let's yeah. walk through a Bible study together. In short, uh, two things. One, it was important. Enough, it was important to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So with him as our model, it was very important to him. Because he is, I mean, he's a son of God. He could have just information transferred everything into those guys' brains. Mm-hmm. But instead, he chose to walk with them for three years. So that's the first reason. The second reason is we're relational beings. Mm-hmm. And so when we only do information transfer, I'm not saying don't do any information transfer. Mm-hmm. It's a impor- an important component to helping yeah. someone learn that's how to walk with Jesus. This one is like learning right. and study. Right. Yeah. So I'm not negating the importance of that. I'm negating its supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um in that it is the primary thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. So and you're saying it's more of a, it's a both hand. It's a both hand. Yeah. It's a both hand. And uh, I think that's where I think something like a prepackaged curriculum kind of can fall, can fall short. Not always, but can mm-hmm. is when we minimize discipleship to being an information transfer instead of a life on life relationship. Now there's a spectrum of, just to be really clear and totally frank, now we're getting in the weeds a little bit, but I don't care. Um, there is a spectrum of like being too organic with disciple making mm-hmm. and being then on the other side being too systematized with disciple making. Mm-hmm. Yep. And too organic would be like, hey, I'm discipling Paul. Paul and I are in a disciple making relationship, so to speak, which even that sounds so churchy. But, uh, you know, we're meeting together every week and hey, we just hang out. That's what we do. We mm-hmm. get together. It's life on life, and you know we just you know play X, play PlayStation or Xbox or you know, drink coffee and sounds yeah, like it's disciple day, making. It sounds like a lot of fun, um, and it's kind of hidden behind this phrase of "Hey, it's just organic life on life discipleship," mm-hmm. and it's like, well, no, it's not actually. You're just hanging out. What we see Jesus do is he did walk with his disciples, but was extremely intentional in how he did that. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, it's like, okay, let's, Paul and I, I'm going to disciple Paul, so Paul and I are going to read a book together, and we're only going to talk about the contents of this book and not how they actually apply to my life. Mm -hmm. That is like way too, like, I guess on the systematic side of where we're going to go through this curriculum, and now, Paul, you've been made a disciple. You completed the book. Way Mm -hmm. to go. Congratulations. You've graduated discipleship. And that approach is also wrong, I think. Mm-hmm. I think in the middle ground of where we see Jesus kind of like marry these two things together of relationship and information transfer is he's teaching his disciples and then modeling alongside of them how to live it out. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I think you see him too. Like, 
teaching in the midst of real life situations. Like as life happened, Jesus modeled and taught. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm reading through Mark right now and, and um, you see a lot in Mark is like the crowds came to Jesus and then they crossed the lake and then the crowds came to Jesus. Like none of that was planned by Jesus. You know, the 5,000 like wasn't planned. Mm. Um but Jesus took it? those opportunities. <laughs> yeah, depending on your view of some things, um, or you know them being um, the disciples being in the boat in the middle of the night and seeing Jesus walking on the water. Jesus took these these moments, yeah. right, as life happened, to to intentionally help try to mold them and shape them and conform them, and mm-hmm. you know I think there was it was it's not just. I think what you're getting at, what we're both getting at, is like it's all happening along the way and kind of all at once. Like it's not just that you meet for information. It's not just that you meet for practical. It's all of it. Right. right. It's doing all of it together relationally. Um, so, so question for you, like thinking about the audience of this podcast, and okay, I'm in college or I'm working, and um, maybe. You know, I know a lot of people, or I don't. Or what is? What do you think? Beginning to implement some of these principles of discipleship looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a really good rule of thumb, and I've heard, I did not come up with this. I've heard a lot of people say it, but it's a great rule of thumb: is you need to have a Paul, mm-hmm. a Silas, and a Timothy. So, what do I mean by that? Well, if you look in the Book of Acts, um you see a few different types of relationships. You see Paul investing in younger leaders like Timothy. Um, We see examples in the New Testament of like Paul and Titus, right? Um, You need someone who is your Paul, who is investing in you, um, and for lack of a better word, is like discipling you and modeling for you. Hey, here's here's how to walk with Jesus. Um, So you need a Paul. You need a Silas, who is like your friend. So kind of think more as like your equal. Not that there's greater or lesser than people in the kingdom of God, but like spiritually you're equal. And you're just like, man, you're hanging out. You're doing life together. You're encouraging one another. It's an iron sharpening iron type of relationship. And then you've got your Timothy, the person that you are investing in. So in all three of these types of relationships, the dynamic is a little bit different. In that first one where you're being invested in, like you're kind of more in like the... I'm learning how to walk with Jesus more effectively. In the Silas-level relationship, it's, hey, I'm walking with someone, and we're encouraging one another. And then in your Timothy relationship, you're encouraging someone how to walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think to to really kind of like fulfill a lot of what Jesus, uh, I think, models for us and teaches us to do in the New Testament um, and what we see Paul do, um, that's a really good balance of relationships. So just mm-hmm. practically how that might look. Mm-hmm. You might have... We'll take for my, myself, for example. Um, I definitely have a Paul in my life who we meet. You know, we don't meet every single week because we're both busy, and that's another problem to talk about another day. But, um, like, we meet consistently, and he asks me about my walk with Jesus, and he's been in ministry a really long time, and so I'll kind of ask him questions and seek advice from him. And, you know, we... In a lot of ways, like although we don't see each other every day because we both have families and responsibilities, like we very much do life together. So we're texting during the week at church. We talk to each other, like all those types of things. He definitely is investing into my life. 
Um, and then I would say my like Silas, I've got a lot of like those relationships. You're definitely one of those relationships. My life group is one of those where we are doing life together, encouraging one another. And then my Timothy's, well, I've got a couple of those that I'm investing in. And so for a college student, it might be your Paul is someone who's older than you in the college ministry or in the church who's investing in you spiritually. Um, your Silas might be your small group, and your Timothy might be a friend that you know in class that you're trying to share the gospel with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like practically how you can step into disciple-making. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times what I see people get hung up on is how to do it. Um, I think that's less important than just to do something. Mm-hmm. The mandate from Christ was to go and make disciples. Yeah. And so it's not a question on if you were called to be a disciple-maker. Mm-hmm. Um, that question's already been answered. You just need to, at some point, say, I'm just going to go start doing this. Mm-hmm. And a good, easy next step would be to just, if you've got a friend that you know, is maybe newer to the faith than you, just ask them if you want to get together once a week and read a chapter of the Bible mm-hmm. and talk about it. That's a super easy starting place. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? You're not going to know the answer to every question, and newsflash, you're not Jesus, so that's okay. Um, but yeah. I think that's like, you know, an easy starting place. Mm-hmm. Easy. I don't want to say easy as in like it's going to be easy, but mm-hmm. it'll still take courage and faith to step out on that limb, but it's a realistic starting place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for just about any Christian to, like, we all know someone that we can meet with. I just had a conversation with a college student a couple weeks ago, and he was saying, hey, I'm interested in maybe, like, you know, leading a small group or stepping into leadership somewhere, and what what is something I can do to prepare? And I said, hey, man, you know this guy who just came to faith, and why don't you just sit down and once a week and read the Bible together, mm-hmm. start being a disciple maker, and that'll make you a leader for sure. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thoughts on thoughts on that? No, I think um, I think maybe to just pair, you know, so say you you grab somebody and you go meet once a week and you read through a chapter of the Bible together. Um, maybe be sure I, I've done this before um, to to figure out a way to implement what you're reading and what you're learning. So yeah. how does it how does it become practice and not just knowledge? Because mm-hmm. um, I think I've man I I can't tell you how many times I've met with people. And we read, say we read a chapter of the Bible together, and it just becomes a conversation. Like we'll start it off talking about, like, here's what I think Jesus is talking about. Here's what I think Jesus is talking about. Da, da, da. And then it, you know, evol- devolves into yeah. whatever. Um, and so I think, um, because y- you you will develop through knowledge and experience. Mm-hmm. You need both actually to grow. Um, and so making sure. I remember um, there was a college student that I discipled years ago and we were reading through James and there, I can't even tell you the passage, but there was something to the effect of, of ministering to the poor. Um, and so we read that and we asked the question, okay, what are we doing in our own lives right now to minister and care for the poor? God cares a lot about the poor. Um, you see that all throughout scripture. And so we, we're like, well, nothing. <laughs> and so we, we made it a point together to go serve at a local um, mercy ministry. That's a great example. And that was a really awesome experience that, you know, it wasn't, we didn't sit down and it was like, we're going to, that wasn't the plan from the beginning, but it happened as we were interacting with God's word, being convicted, challenging each other. Yeah. And then we went and did it together. Um, that know. is a great example. Yeah. That's really good. So, So I think just, you know, coupling as you read together with people, figure out like what is a 
good next step? Like you were, what's a good next step? Mm-hmm. What's a good next step? And, and it may not always be clear, honestly. Like, I mean, there's times I read scripture and I'm like, what's a good next step? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. And then this I just passage come back. in Jeremiah made no sense. <laughs> but I come back to it, you know, the next day, or if you're in a discipling relationship, come back to it the next week, read another chapter, mm-hmm. see how, and, and just pray that God is going to, I think if you're faithful, right, going back to the sowing, if you're faithful to sow, if you're faithful to, man, put in some effort and seek to follow Jesus, both, you know, knowing his word and doing his word, being hearer and a doer, I think he's going to be faithful to show you ways to do that. Mm. And it's not going to be every day, but because sometimes you just need to stick with one thing for a little while so that it becomes part of your character. Yeah. But I think if you're faithful to seek that and do it with other people and discipleship is going to happen. So, yeah, that's good. Well, the cool thing is this is an adventure. Mm -hmm. This is something we're all, you know, figuring out in real time and no one I don't think has ever arrived um, literally, my mentor, discipler that uh, I meet with, he talks about what his mentor, discipler, is teaching him. <laughs> and so, like, he's, like, in his 50s, and he still meets with someone consistently for discipleship because he knows he still has a lot of room to grow. And so there's never a point where you, like, got all this figured out, um, where we have all this figured out. And, man, I can just tell you, uh, my view on disciple-making has definitely... I want to say maybe matured if I can over the last like few years. Um, just as you do life and grow in your relationship with Christ and with His people, you grow and learn and develop. And so wherever you are right now, like it is totally cool if you know you look over the across the room at another Christian, you're like, man, that person's really got it going on. It's like, well, like don't worry about them. Worry about your relationship with Christ and walking with Him as He calls you to. And man, you're gonna you'll grow for sure because that's His will for you is your sanctification. And so. Uh, yeah, and just um, maybe, so so take that comparison because you know comparison is just um, the thief of joy, the thief of joy, right? <laughs> um, but maybe take the prompting towards comparison and think that person really has it going on. What can I learn from them? Yeah, um, you know, and like, uh, so like you know, this is a good example. You know, you're. 26, mm-hmm. right? So I'm 30. So we're, I'm four years older, but there are a lot of things that I see you do like, man, I really could learn how to do that better. And Alex seems to be doing it really well. Um, and so I think even, you know, spiritual maturity isn't always based on age. Um, for sure. Um, there are some 30, you know, 35 year olds who are more spiritually mature than 70 year olds mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is based on this, like, how are people cultivating Part a lot of it's the grace of God, and then a lot of it's like, how are these people cultivating the life of Jesus in them? And so, yeah, maybe use that prompting towards, oh man, I see them really doing. They're really like committed to Jesus or following Jesus well, or they're really generous, or they're really and they trust God, or they're and they're really powerful in prayer. What can I learn from that person? Mm-hmm. You know, that's and and sometimes maybe you just meet with that person one time, and that's that can be a discipling relationship. Maybe if it's just that one meeting, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the goal is to have kind of a long-term relationship with with people, but but sometimes, man, one or two conversations with people can really make a difference. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, what I'm hearing you say is have a learner spirit and yeah. uh, just go full circle here. That's mm-hmm. what a disciple does, man, is they are a practical learner. Um, if you think you all figure it out, you're not going to be a good disciple because you're 
not following anybody but yourself. So, well, guys, it's been a, been a fun conversation. Hope to see you guys on Tuesday nights as we're diving through this. We'll post the sermons on YouTube and you know the podcast and everything so you can listen to them. But if you want to check us out, 6.15 dinner on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock worship, 1200 Miracle Road. Give us a follow over on Instagram to see what's going on, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks.